What's up everyone, you're now listening to The Mill Myths, also known as the Millennial Misfits Podcast. Let's get it started. What's up guys, welcome to another episode of the Millennial Misfits Podcast. My name is Asher. My name is Sherison. And today, this is episode 20. We're 20 episodes deep, guys, and I don't think we're going to be stopping anytime soon. So. 100%. It's catching up to our age, man. It's catching up to our age. Yeah, we're youngins over here. So, um, yeah, today in today's episode, we're going to be talking about uh, corporate culture and diversity. So, we are both two people that have worked in the corporate world for a few years. We have a little bit of experience in different industries and, you know, we have our thoughts on what the corporate culture is like. And we think we would be able to have a good conversation about it because we come from different industries. So before I, I hop into um, just talking about corporate culture, I want to kind of define what the definition of organizational culture is from my Google search. So it says organizational culture encompasses values and behaviors that contribute to the unique social and physiological environment of a business. So um, what's just, what that's trying to say is that pretty much leadership values of a company play a huge part in what the corporate culture is going to be like. So I have worked for a few companies and a lot of them have had very, very different cultures. Um, I've worked in the construction industry. I've worked in the pharma industry and I've also worked in, I guess, maybe like the industrial industry. Those are like a few companies I've worked, but they've all been accounting slash finance type jobs. So my job has been pretty much the same right across, but through different industries. So any uh, intro points that you want to mention with regards to corporate culture? Yeah, for sure. I think um, uh, I think I like I like that you laid out that way. I think uh, I should as well. Um, obviously, in previous episodes, I've mentioned where I work and stuff like that. For the purposes of this episode, I feel like I probably won't label um, which companies I'm referring to or which locations I'm referring to at all whenever I'm speaking on things. Um, but my experiences have been uh, kind of scattered, I guess, because uh, I've went from industry to industry. Um, I've, I've stayed within finance, but, uh, I essentially, I went into financial services, um, kind of like banking institutions and then kind of non-bank institutions which are like third party lenders. And then I switched into the food industry. Um, and then I switched into, uh, now the pharmacy industry. So all finance roles, but different, different industries. So I guess that's kind of, um, that would give me a little bit of uh, a different perspective as well. So that's just a heads up. Yep. So like I said, we're both speaking from uh, places where we've had different industry experience and we've got to see and feel a lot of different cultures. So um, we're going to kind of tackle this topic in different in different ways. So we're going to talk about it, what it's like coming into the court, you know, the corporate culture from school. Then we're also going to talk about what it's like after all the honeymoon phase and, you know, after you've dealt with all the romance of what you expected it to be versus the reality. And then I guess where we are now, what we see it as, and then also to kind of talk about diversity a little bit. So in terms of, um, you know, your expectations for corporate culture, when you first finished school, Sherston, how, what was it in, and what were you thinking? I think um, I, I love that you mentioned the honeymoon phase because there is a honeymoon phase. And I came in, I, I don't really know what I was expecting, I guess. I thought it was uh, when I got my first job after graduation, I thought it was going to be like 
super rigid and super professional and corporate and like i i think i showed up like overdressed for the first week <laughs> and people were like why is this guy wearing a suit you know <laughs> like so right. I, I think that was my first uh kind of introduction into uh, into that atmosphere and i was kind of like okay it's not so serious and crazy as like what i imagined i guess from the movies or from like experiences from internships and stuff like that um and i think that's mostly because once you enter the world like before you enter it like if you're doing internships as a student or anything like that they kind of your experiences are very narrow and siloed and people will kind of almost like scare you a little to be like prepare to prepare you for the real world right um but when you enter it it's like okay it's not so bad it's not like i'm this is normal like i can i think i could i can manage this right um so that was my first thing i was like i walked in and i was expecting like a very professional and scary environment and people were very inviting and kind of like this is where you're going to work may potentially for the next 20 30 years who knows if you decide to and if you do well so you want it to be a comfortable place so we make you feel comfortable so that was kind of like my first experience where I was kind of like shocked and taken back what about you yeah so kind of similar for me I uh I used to work retail before I went into um uh, the corporate life the office life yeah and I remember like I had my first office job after second year university I had like this internship and I was super excited because you know not a lot of people get an office job after second year university so i was that guy was posting pictures on facebook like yo check out my desk and whatever yeah. <laughs> you know like yeah, you yeah. know yeah you know yeah you know aunts and uncles are congratulating you like good job like you know like you're you're making it you're you know i i thought i was going places and you know uh life was good i expected it obviously to be better than the retail life because you know i'm not saying anybody that works in retail is is having you know a bad job but you know there's all there's this perception out there saying that like you know if you have an office job then you're doing really well and stuff right so um once i got to that point and you know i quit my my retail job a lot of people like well good for you congrats and whatever so it was cool to do it for a summer because i knew that there was going to be an end point right right and you're like okay after four months i gotta go back to school so i had my internships here and there um during university and then once university was done <laughs> and then I went into the corporate role, then like I kind of really knew what I was getting myself into, even though I had internships at different companies and stuff, I kind of like, I had an idea like, okay, so what's going to be like, blah, blah, blah. Each company was different in terms of the way that the organizational culture was. Right. Some were more relaxed, some were like dressed up more some, you know, the employees would be swearing like, like it's nothing. And I'm like, dude, like, why is that woman like <laughs> screaming and yelling so much, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, so the honeymoon phase, I feel like for me, kind of ended already by the time I got to, by the time I, I finished university. And so once I hopped into um, the corporate world again, once I was done school, I was kind of like, eh, it is what it is, you know? Like I right. knew that, I'm like, okay, you know, I know what it's like. This is what I've been told I'm supposed to do. This is what I'm supposed to expect. So there wasn't anything too out of the ordinary from, from that point forward. So um, yeah, so we're going to move on, I guess, to the reality of corporate culture. <laughs> so I'm going to keep it open-ended. I'm not even going to ask a question. What is the reality of corporate culture in your eyes? And I don't, I'm not even, we're, we're laughing and I'm not saying that we're going to sit here and bash corporations. <laughs> no, we won't. Like we won't. Yeah. yeah. It's just, it's just, it, there is a, there is a bit of a wake up call at, at one point. Um, and I think 
for me was truly understanding that this is a machine that you are a cog in, right? Like you are, you are a piece in the machine that keeps it moving efficiently and smoothly. So, um, we 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 say that a lot and we we toss that around loosely like big brother is watching or corporations are like you know they're just like a it's just like a streamline right so but you don't fully understand it until you're in it and when you start doing whatever your role is um you kind of take a step back and you're like okay this is literally just, you're just a piece in this giant machine and it can it's they're all interchangeable and they're all replaceable right right so i think that's one of the biggest uh, that was a, one of the biggest moments where i was kind of just like this is pretty much what you're doing for the rest of your life and it feels like you're kind of like one uh, component in a computer so to speak right 100 uh, percent. sorry go ahead yeah, and like that, that that was kind of like that's like the reality, and that was maybe the the nicest way I can put it. Um, and it, it, it is what it is, right? Like businesses are meant to be efficient and streamlined, and they're working towards a certain goal, and there's paths towards that goal, and there are people that come in at each stage of the of that path and help out, and that's essentially how you have to think about it. How do you? That's do you think about that's it? a that's a very very good way to 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 look at it. So. Um, just piggybacking off of what you said. So corporations, you know, they, they start from the top, like I mentioned in the definition, right? It's to do with the values and the leadership of the company. And that kind of trickles down to the rest of the employees. So each of these big companies, they're all competing with one another, right? They're all trying to increase the revenues, all trying to get new customers, all trying to create better products and services and stuff like that. So, you know, when it comes down to what you had said, um, you are a piece of the machine, right? So you are looked at as somebody that's supposed to create a certain amount of output. And if you are not speaking that certain amount of output, then you're in trouble, right? Right. Right. (laughs) In trouble from your manager, or you can get let go if you're not producing the goods. So, you know, you go into the corporate world and, you know, especially when you're naive and you're somebody that, um, is new or maybe just finished school and stuff you have these perceptions that everybody's going to be a friend and you're going to have a good time and stuff and you know people people come to work just to do what they got to do and they get out of there a lot of people are like that um there are some people that love their job you know they found out what it is that they love in life but i feel like those people are not as as common most people that go to work they kind of do what they have to do like yeah they'll be friendly and sociable but a lot of people will talk behind your back and have their own thoughts but they'll play nice just to make sure that you know work goes by okay right right right. (laughs) but there's always rumors like there's always so much like be going on behind the scenes that like a lot of people don't talk about but it's just there and if like you're good at it you can find out what they're talking about but um Sometimes, especially junior people, they don't really get to find out what it is that is is being said behind the scenes. But for the managers I've worked for and for the people that I've worked with, I've always heard stuff like, oh, this is happening here. This person said this. Oh, this person's in trouble. Oh, this is what's going to happen. There's just so much gossip that's going on. Um, but in terms of, you know, finding, like, obviously, I'm not bashing the corporate culture because there's obviously people that can, you can make a decent living, you can you can become even a millionaire if you you know, work super hard, cr- climb the corporate ladder and get to where you want to be. If you're very focused and have your goal and you're determined, it's, 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 it's great. Um, 
but I feel like not a lot of people are like that. And a lot of people settle for jobs that they don't really want to do for a few reasons. Um, number one, obviously it's a competitive market. So you're trying to get your money, right? Right. Like you finish school, you're like, ideally I would love to work for, you know, Sony or I'd love to work for, um, you know, I'm trying to think of like cool companies, like, you know what I'm trying to say? Like all yeah, the hip yeah. companies that like, you know, us millennials vibe with, like that would be for dope, sure. right? Anything um, tech, right? Like, yeah, anything tech, like Nike or whatever. Like, you know, if I could work in a corporate setting with like those like, you know, hip companies, that would be amazing. I'd be happy to go to work and tell my boys like, yo, this is what I'm doing. And I'm part of like the marketing team or like the sales team or like about part of like the product development team. And people like, bro, that's dope. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like yeah. <laughs> you'd get your clout and like, that would be super exciting. But guess what? Not everybody <laughs> has those types of positions. Most of the jobs out there are hella boring and they're like, oh, yo, I'm just doing it for the check. So um, it's very, very hard for most of the, the, the people out there to find something that they enjoy, but they do it because you know, you got to pay the bills, you got to save your money and you got to, you got to feed your family. So exactly. Exactly. And yeah, like just off of that, like, because you mentioned the fact that a lot of people are doing this for the money, I would go as far as saying that 80% of people in working a nine to five corporate job are doing it because they have to like that. And that sounds like a ridiculous number. And I'm sure a lot of people would disagree, but um, realistically, a lot of people, I would say, are kind of just, they, they like the consistency of work. They like the comfort of that consistency. Um, and they fall into the cycle of, you, you get a sense of comfort when you get a, a dependable source of income, right? Right. So it's like, if someone's going to sign a contract and say, hey, you're going to get $2,000 every two weeks. And you'll be like, hey, that's better than not knowing what I'm going to get right every every other every other month or something like that like Mm -hmm. and i think that sense of uh, that sense of comfort really pacifies a lot of people into the culture into the corporate world right Mm -hmm. um and so that is probably one of the biggest things that i would uh, throw caution to the wind in terms of entering that world and i'm not saying don't get a job obviously that's like that's the complete opposite of what i'm saying but what i'm saying is understand what the value that you're trading off for right um so when i signed my first job i was like oh wow like and i'll I'll speak to this like i think my entry level salary was like forty thousand, and i was like dude like i'm I'm coming from a student and i was like yo i'm getting forty thousand dollars like this is like i I, i'm I'm starting right this is this is the beginning um but when you really digest what that means it's not to say that hey, we're, oh, I got to be careful with this. Um, <laughs> you can, you can, it's not it just, simple. Right. It's not to say that like you are essentially trading your value or your, your worth for 40,000, but you got to think about all the work that goes into that, right? Like you're working 40 hours a week. You're essentially trading 40 hours a week of your life for this paycheck that's going to be however much right so i think right. once you start thinking in that frame set it's kind of like it opens your eyes to understanding the the internal workings of how a corporation works and how why they are laid out the way that they are would you say that's correct yeah i agree with you i think um like about yeah i think the same about 80 percent of people do it because they're doing it for the money and not because they love what they're they're doing um and also 
they also do it because of what's the alternative, right? Like if we had better alternatives and said, oh, if you want, you you don't have to work the nine to five, you can do this instead and make the same amount of money. I think a lot of people would switch, right? Right. So it's not like they have many other options to choose from. So um, it's kind of like what they have to do. In terms of, um, there's something that you said that kind of slipped my mind now. Uh, I guess I was just saying that like, it, you got to understand that like you're trading hours of your life for this oh, yes. paycheck, right? Like so that's you right. got to think in that time frame. Exactly. Like, that's what, that's what I was going to say. So it's all about value at the end of the day, right? So um, the more value you can bring to a company, the more you're worth, right? So right. it's also like a supply and demand thing. Usually value and supply and demand, they kind of work the same. So if you're very valuable and there's less there's less supply of you, then you're going to get paid more. So the reason why I'm saying that is because if you had or you could create value for yourself um, at this young age, I know this is much harder for people to, to, um, to grasp that are older. I'm not saying it's impossible if you're in your 30s or 40s or 50s, 60s, whatever. But if you can create a certain value for yourself, um, especially at the easiest time in your 20s, then you know, the market perceives your value, then you're going to get paid. You right. know what I'm trying to say? So yeah. people can create create value in many different ways. You can create value from products or services that you make. You can create value from even just posting on Instagram. That's creating value, creating content, right? You can right. create value from what we're doing right now, podcasting, you know, YouTube, or even uh, drawing. Like somebody will like your art and will pay for it. That's value, right? Yeah, for sure. Um, music, you know, whatever it is, like there's so many, I, I can, I can list them. Like there's just so many ways to create value. And I believe that a lot of these corporations that we work for were started based on those principles as well. Right. right. Yeah. They started off by creating value for one customer They're like, Oh, this customer wanted their, their toilet fixed. I fixed it for them. That guy referred me to this guy. And then I got two customers now or three. You know what I mean? And then all of a sudden, after whatever, years or decades, you I'm now working for that industrial company, you know? Right, right. <laughs> um, so it's, it's all about creating value. There's, you know, digital marketing services, all these companies out there, doctors are creating values for you because they're making you healthier and whatever and stuff. So it's all about creating value at the end of the day. Um, so I think that like us, the millennials, so this is kind of like, wrapping up this point a lot of the challenges that us millennials face is that we understand that there's all these different avenues for creating value and when we are placed in the nine to five and realize that a lot of us aren't happy we don't have to stay there because there's many different ways that we create can create value it may not make us a lot of money um to start but if we can continue to create that value and continue to get one percent better as we go along and then i think making $40,000 doing something that you find value and fun in is much better than making 60 K or 70 K doing something that you're, you're super pissed off about. So that's, that's my two cents. <laughs> I think that was a beautiful explanation and I don't think I can add anything to that. Dude. Like, <laughs> it, it, it was perfect. It was perfect. Right? Like someone wanted to create value. They created a product and then it blew up into an organization and now they need employees to create that same value. Right? So that was a beautiful circle on how you explained it. Um, yeah. And, and I think that's a, that's a good way to kind of segue into the next section. It's kind of like companies started realizing uh, or companies realize or corporations realize that like, yes, their employees can go out and do something of their own, but there's, there's a lot of friction in that, right? Mm -hmm. There's a, it's going to be hard work. There's going to be a lot of setbacks, 
So it's like, how do we give you enough value as an employee mm-hmm. to keep you from doing that? And, and not in a sinister way, right? It's kind of like, right. how do we retain our employees? Right. Um, let's figure out why they're leaving. They're leaving because they want to find value and make something of their own. Um, right. So how do we give them more value in our environment so that they stay here and we can keep that talent, right? And then, right. so now we see uh, a lot of companies, especially I think it started with the tech companies, like the Apples and the Amazons, where they started giving like all these these perks, right? Like we started hearing the word perks in the corporate world and it's kind of like, oh, wow, like what is that? And it's like, oh, you have companies that are covering your gym membership. You have companies that are covering uh, or who are actually building a gym in the facility so that you don't leave, right? Right. Um, so maybe uh, that can be like another point that I can ask you about here is like, when, like, what did you see that? When did you start seeing that kind of shift? Um, especially for our generation. Cause like, I don't think our parents ever saw that. You know what I mean? Yeah. So like, you're right. Like corporations, they want to um, reduce employee turnover because it's not good for them because they're investing their, their time and their training into employees. And then that employee just dips after they've, you know, wasted some, some, some companies also spend their money in um, investing. Let's just say, you know how some companies pay for your MBA or whatever, certain courses and stuff. And you put all that time and money and effort into somebody and then they just dip. It's like, oh, we're doing that because we're hoping this person, we're putting value into him so that he can, you know, create more output for us. Right. But they dip. So employee turnover is never a good thing. Um, secondly, they do create values in different ways, like, you know, in terms of, you know, helping with the pension or giving you sick leave or, um, your medical benefits, vacation days, salary increases, stuff like that. Those are all things that they're putting in place in order for you to kind of, you know, feel secure and, you know, not want to leave that company, right? Like right. you hear a lot of people talk about it, saying like, bro, like I can't leave. Like I got this, I got that. And like, if you get to like the senior level, then they give you stock options and stuff like that. It's like, dude, I, if I make this company do well, I got stocks and then my, my stock options go up and then I want to make more money. Why the hell would I leave? That's like, you know what I mean? Like they've shackled you to staying in that position because of all the perks that they've given you. So, um, yeah, those are, those are some ways in which, um, companies are able to retain their talent. Um, but, you see stuff like, you know, YouTube with this whole Joe Rogan thing, right? Like Joe Rogan's gone to Spotify for like a hundred million dollars and stuff. Right. So Spotify saw value in him. They're like, bro, you know, I don't know if you heard, but like the stocks went up like, um, is it like 2 billion or something? I can't remember the actual number. It went up a couple billions after they signed Joe Rogan. So they paid Joe Rogan a hundred million and their stocks went up like a couple billion. So that's value for you right there. hundred <laughs> percent. And then, and then a week later, there was rumors that they're signing uh, Kim Kardashian to a new podcast series and the stock price went up again this week. Whoa. I didn't know about that. Yeah. She's doing a criminal justice reform podcast, something along those lines, because she's been working in that space for some time. Oh, wow. Apparently. And she wants, I think she's going to, I don't, I don't keep up with the Kardashians, but I, I don't either. <laughs> you don't keep up with the Kardashians. I see what you did there. <laughs> right. Right. Yeah. yeah. But yeah, I, I, all I know is she's been in the legal space ever since she got with Kanye. She's been helping uh, prisoners be released that were wrongfully um, wrongfully put in there. And yeah, anyway, so... <laughs> Imagine so, that. Imagine coming out of jail and Kim Kardashian is the one that's like, oh, hey, like waiting for you on the outside. Like, what the hell? Dude, Kim right? can't come me out. Like... <laughs> 
Shout out Kim K for that. Shout bro. out to Kim K for that one. Wow. Um, oh, you got super yeah. sidetracked. <laughs> yeah, I got super sidetracked. Sorry, guys. But yeah, just to 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 kind of wrap up this this side of the topic, and then we can talk about diversity a little bit. What what would you say is the best and worst part of corporate culture? And then I'll give you my two cents. <clears throat> I think corporate uh, corporate culture is. It is very important to consider when you're looking at a job. Um, obviously, a company fit, the role fit is important, but the, the culture in which you're entering, because this is essentially going to be like your family, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so I think that's really important to consider at all times. Um, so for me, I think the best part of it is kind of just having one in place that is inclusive and kind of comforting because again, this is where you're going to be spending majority of your life, majority of your, you know, your day and like your waking hours, like you're, you're mm-hmm. there. So it's something that you need to be very conscious of and you need to make sure that um, you're, you're feeling a part of it and you're feeling like you can fit in and you're feeling like you're supported in it. Um, the one drawback I would say is that, yeah, it, it, it stifles your creativity because it's almost like a blanket of comfort um that makes you feel like okay like i'm i'm comfortable in this job and like you you see a lot of people kind of fall into that trap where they're just like okay this is my life now and like they're just they're 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 in that repetitive motion mm-hmm. um and and we've spoken to this before right and why we don't like the 95 life just because it's very repetitive and it's you're used to it all the time it's just consistent boring you know what i mean but right. to some people that's okay um, but you have to understand that there's there's that setback. It's gonna it's gonna make that your your life if you let it, and mm-hmm. maybe that's not what you want. Right. So yeah, I agree with I agree with that. Um, the benefits are you can make a good living um, doing it. You can obviously learn a lot depending on whatever career that you're in. You can change people's lives if you're not if you're in uh, a type of profession that's gonna do that for you. Um, and yeah, that sense of comfort and just knowing that you're going to be okay because you're going to, you know, have a good pension and save money and be able to buy a house and do all ABCD, like all that, that's all good stuff. But the drawbacks is, you know, you only have so much life, right? right. Um, so if you're hopping in your car and you're waking up at seven, showering, eating, and then commuting an hour and coming back home um, or working nine to five, then you know, hopping back in the car, coming back home, eating dinner, and then it's like, oh, it's past 7 p.m. already. Um, and then you realize you have like a couple hours, you doing workout and stuff. And then you're like, oh, like, you know, I, I can only sit and watch TV for like another hour or two. And then I'm going to be tired and, you know, have to do the same thing tomorrow. It does take a toll on you. Um, and like I said earlier, I just, I'm of the mindset right now that um, the more, the more, um, the more time passes by, the more options that are available for people to create second hustles, uh, certain second hustles, side hustles, and uh, you know something on the side for them. Because now we have five G coming out. Now we have you know um, whatever. You know what I mean? There's always technology that's getting better, and like there's so many different things that we can get ourselves involved in. And I think it's much easier because you hear all these stories of like, oh, this kid's like 16, 17, 18 or whatever. And yeah. like all these kids are like millionaires. Like, what, what the hell? Like, what am I doing wrong? You know, like <laughs> I'm not saying everybody needs to be YouTube famous. That's what I'm talking about. I'm just talking about like doing like on Pinterest, you'd be surprised people making money on this and that. And I'm like, 
of holy like where's all this money falling from the sky that i'm not getting a visa you know <laughs> exactly um, exactly so, yeah i think as we as we grow and as technology gets better there's just going to be more opportunities for people to make livings from so my my conclusion is just that if you are somebody that is going into the corporate culture or you're young that's just finished school and stuff do you like obviously people understand we got bills to pay we got you know we got to eat we got to do this and stuff but i recommend you just try and do something on the side whatever it is whatever it makes you happy or what, whatever you're enjoying or whatever makes you tick just try that and try and see how you can make or create some value around that for sure i like that i like that yeah. so much and let's segue away into that diversity last point. yeah last point and then we'll we'll move on to something else <clears throat> um i think diversity is an interesting thing and i think it's become a bigger focus probably in the last 10 to 12 years Mm-hmm. Um, not to say that people didn't care about it before, but it's kind of taken the stage a little bit in in the corporate world. Mm-hmm. Um, and and I think it's something that is also another way through which it, it, I would I don't want to say it's a perk, but it's also another way through which companies can showcase that um, they're valuing their employees and they're making space for their employees to feel comfortable. Yeah. Um, and so uh, obviously diversity and inclusivity is is important in a, in a workplace to ensure that people of all races and colors and backgrounds or anything um, can coexist and work alongside each other without feeling um, like they're misrepresented or they're judged or anything like that right mm. um, and so I think it's one of those things that you have to consider at this point I think we almost take it for granted but like of course the company would um, be inclusive and stuff like that but we still run into examples of a lot of places um, that have a lot of flaws in how they view this right so right. Um, what's your take on diversity in the corporate world and like how important it is yeah I think um, I think most companies if not like 90% or more they I'm not speaking from facts I'm not looking at any numbers just from my my thought is that they don't have a diversity problem at the bottom of the company. Like there will always be diversity when it comes to the lower level jobs in a company, right? right. <clears throat> I think there's a diversity issue when it comes to the more, you know, medium level managers, the more senior managers, the more um, senior type roles um, in a company, leadership roles. That's where you see an issue with diversity in terms of, people of color or even women, for example, right? Um, so it's it's tough because, um, you know, most, I think there's, there's, there's articles you can even find of, you know, how many Fortune 500 companies have CEOs that are either female or a person of color. Right. I'm pretty sure it's a very small number, right? So, um, and yeah, I think it's an issue that, you know, this Black Lives Matter movement is trying to address as well. You've been seeing a lot of, of, of that in the news lately. And also there's a lot of organizations out there. People talk about the glass ceiling, right? Women have been talking about the glass ceiling for the longest time. So these are issues that um, currently exist in the, the corporate world. And I'm sure a lot of people are fighting right now to make sure it doesn't continue in the future. For sure. And I think 
I, I think it's a, it's a good thing to fight over, right? Because um, like you've mentioned, it's always usually the lower level employees um, or the lower skilled employees that um, those pools of employees tend to be more diverse than executive or senior levels. Um, and so I think it's important for companies to consider that your, your product or your service or whatever that you're doing is built on the backs of the people that are working in the communities in that wherever your company is. Right. Mm -hmm. So if your company is located um, in a, in a highly diverse location and those are the people that you're hiring for your job and they're working on your product and you're selling it to exclusively um, certain people, or if your management is exclusively uh, all male or, you know what I mean? It's like, it's, it's going to, it's going to reflect poorly to say that you're not valuing these employees who are literally creating your wealth um, mm. enough to bring them into higher positions or higher status or higher recognition or whatever that is. Um, right. and, and, and I think a lot of companies are noticing now um, that they need to make a switch um, in a lot of areas in terms of how they perceive diversity and, and, and inclusiveness and how, they're championing it themselves, right? So I would say right. um, you have examples of companies that are hiring people of color, more women onto their leadership uh, on the board of directors or their leadership uh, teams um, because they want that diversity and they want to be inclusive to more people. And then you also have companies on the flip side who are trying to make the product or service that they're offering uh, more inclusive. So just off the top of my head, one of the examples um, is... Aunt Jemima's uh, syrup, right? Like they, they announced that, Hey, like we realize we've been catering to the whole world. Like I thought Aunt Jemima's was great. It was a shit, right? It was so great. That was the syrup, but you'd never really pay attention to the fact that their logo or their symbols are built on um, racist undertones. So it's kind of like, am I like, should we be supporting a company like that? And they were like, oh, sh like, yeah, we realize this. We need to fix it. So I think that was a great example of them changing their, 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 their culture and changing and addressing diversity and inclusiveness and being like, this is something that we need to change. Right. Another example is the whole <clears throat> Reddit situation. Um, the, the husband of Serena Williams is one of the co-founders of Reddit and he um, is obviously married to a black woman, so he kind of understands, you know, what black women and black people go through um, in society and some of the limitations that they 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 have. Um, so, you know, I think he had said to him in an interview, or I think I saw a post on Instagram. He said, you know, he has I think a black daughter or a son. I forget if it's a boy or a girl, but he's just saying pretty much that, like, you know in the future, you know, with all of the issues that are going on right now, him and his the white guy, when he's talking to his kid, that he, with his kid Serena, he's gonna, he doesn't want like his kid to ask daddy, like, what did you do um, to help this cause, right? Right. And he wanted to have an answer for that. So he um, decided to step down and give his position to a qualified person of color. So that to me, it was like, wow, like, I mean, you started this company, I'm sure he may be involved in, you know, some advisory type role. Um, right. Just like most of these people are like, you know, like a Bill Gates, I think he's still somewhat involved in Microsoft and like, you know, ABCD, but to do that, I thought it was pretty incredible. I was like, whoa, like that's, that's a pretty 
pretty big decision, you know, to start to just get, you know, step down from something that you started and give it to a person of color. I was like, that's, that's great. And um, when you can see, uh, I think I, t- I, said, I think I mentioned this earlier, if people that are, you know, the minority, if they're women or people of color, and you see someone in a, in a very um, senior position in your company, right. and uh, you can see that, oh, you know, this person has made it to the top, it kind of gives you motivation or shows you that, hey, I can do it too, right? It's kind of the same thing with Obama. If there's a black president that can happen in America, then hey, what's to stop me from becoming president as well too? So it's kind of the, the same mentality. Exactly, exactly. And, and we have examples of, of, making, of people making it that far and we have uh, maybe limited examples. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think obviously there's a lot of flaws in the system as to why there's a, a limited amount of those people, mm-hmm. right? And I think uh, now that corporations or I hope this movement with everything going on um, is opening corporations uh, to that, that possibility of being like, hey, maybe we're not doing enough, right? Right. Um, and like you said, like Serena's husband, like that, that was a great move. I was like, that is, that is, that is such an amazing transfer of wealth and power just to address the situation like that, that, that you have to appreciate that. Right. Definitely. So I, I like the direction that uh, we're headed in, um, in terms of where corporate culture is going. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, there's always portions that you have to be wary of, um, and, and understanding of hundred percent. So I think that wraps up that portion of the podcast. What we're going to do next is we're going to do some hot takes, but before we get into the hot takes, we're just going to take a little bit of a break. So we'll be right back. All right. And we are back. And we are here to start a new segment that we wanted to, or not even a segment, just kind of a new portion of our uh, of the Millennial Misfits that we want to do. And uh, it's kind of just hot takes. We want to uh, lean into what's going on, current events, and just understanding um, our perspective on it, right? So, Asher, I'm going, to, uh, I'm going to kind of bug you about a couple of things that are going on right now. But first, I'm going to ask you about the NBA Yes, sir. So basketball is looking to be back. The NBA is announced that they're going to be back um, in July and they're going to be playing out at Disney. They've chosen, they've kind of laid out a format for how um, teams can come in and compete, which teams are going to compete, how they can make it to the playoffs, um, how, where they're going to stay and kind of how they're going to be socially distanced and whatever, whatever else. Um, obviously, the players um, and all the staff involved will be in a kind of a bubble um, so what that means is they can only interact with the people that they're around for that time. They can't go up to see other friends, other fans, or the family, anything like that. So it seems like a really rigorous uh, process that they went through to put this together, and they seem like they've considered a lot of um, uh, details that they should have. But I wanted to ask you what your first impression was when you saw that, when you saw that headline, the NBA is back. Yeah, so... Um... When I saw the headline, the NBA is back, I was excited. Um, obviously, things are looking a little shaky again in terms of sports because I don't know if you know, but they're going to be playing in Florida, like you said, at Disney. But recently, the coronavirus cases have just been skyrocketing in Florida. Um, I think 
they've had like more than 8,000 cases in the last three days or so. Right. Um, last three or four days, I should say. I think yesterday it was like 3,000 cases. But point is, is that it's becoming a problem. And um, I think the, the mayor had said that it's due to more testing. But... <laughs> You know, I have my, I have my reserves about that. I'm right. sure, yes, I'm sure people are getting tested more, but I'm sure also that the virus is spreading. So, um, testing so, is just recording the fact that it's spreading. I don't exactly yeah, whatever. That's a different story. Yeah, because obviously we know that, like you know, Florida has been the hotspot for you know. I think they were like the only state that allowed sports as an essential essential service, right? So. Um, you know, the UFC started in Florida and now the NBA is coming back in Florida and um, I'm, I'm for the NBA coming back, but there's something that you're going to ask me that we're going to dive into, right? <laughs> for sure. For sure. For sure. I just wanted to get your opinion on that. You know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll let you kind of, I'll let you kind of lead this. Yeah. Like- so, you know, the NBA... <clears throat> it's it's been tricky times obviously guys in terms of the um in terms of the black lives matter movement um you know this obviously all started it's been sorry the black lives matter movement has been around for a long time and it it just sparked up and you know it's become the biggest movement i think of all time um globally once the george floyd um incident took place right so um you know, this, these protests are still ongoing and there's been NBA players that have come out um, and said that they want to, you know, they're deciding that they don't want to play this NBA season um, because, you know, they think that's going to be a distraction to, you know, towards the movement. They believe that if, you know, you see sports center, oh, LeBron dropped 40 and this happened and that happened and kind of just like, you know, we're back to days as usual. Right. Um, but I'm going to, I'm going to tell, I'm going to give like a, a pretty much a simple statement and say, I'm not for closing the NBA and I will tell you why after, but I want to hear what you have to say just so you don't, um, <laughs> you don't hop on what my reasons are. <laughs> I think the NBA should cancel the season. Okay. And that is my take on this topic. Okay. Um, so uh, obviously we don't agree on this. I'll, 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 I'll kind of lay out what I, what, what, what I think. And then maybe you can kind of dispute yep. me and, 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 and fight me if you have to. Yep. <laughs> but yeah, I, I do not think the NBA should come back for the season. And um, there are several reasons why I think mm-hmm. first off COVID we, mm-hmm. Nobody in nobody in government understands what to do with COVID. You know what I mean? Like I feel right. like, and I'm not even an American. Like we're Canadians, right? But I look at the the, the administration and how they're handling this, and it's like they don't know what they're talking about, right? right. So that's the first issue. Second right. off, um, with this movement going on, um, with, with the Black Lives Matter movement um, kind of taking t- taking um, the the general attention, um, which as it should. Mm-hmm. I do agree with a lot of the players' concerns that's, that say um, the noise will be quieted if they go back to, 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 the, to the sport. In the mm-hmm. sense that like, they won't be able to invest time into protesting and things like that if they're going to be playing. First off, they have to stay in their bubble, so they actually can't be outside with other people. Mm-hmm. Um, and second, they're just going to be busy, right? You have to, do, you have to stay in a certain um, 
in certain shape and you had to do certain things to keep your body right and ready and your mental right and you're going straight into playoffs like that's a whole mental strain on its own right right um so i don't think it will be fair to the all the work that the players that have been protesting um and raising awareness uh, i don't think it'd be fair to those people now because it's like all right you're done let's go back to work right and i I don't think that's how they want to be treated i don't think that's how they should be treated um and I understand that they have a platform while they're playing to protest. I just don't think it will be as significant as you holding out for that purpose. You know what I mean? Right. Um, so that's, that's my take on the Black Lives uh, Matter protests as well. And then lastly, uh, m- m- my last point as to why I don't think they should open up is because there's just so many... There's already in like a, a regular uh, in a regular season. I feel like there's already so many factors that go into the playoffs or mm-hmm. go into who wins or who comes out of it as champ, right? Right. A lot of people like we're Canadian. A lot of people want to trash Toronto's championship from 2019 because Golden State had so many injuries, and we're kind of just like, right. "Hey, man! Like, you showed up with the team that you had. We showed up with the team that we had. We won, right? It is right. what it is. Right. And I feel like we have to defend that even. Right, mm-hmm. that it was out of our control. We couldn't do like we had nothing to do with it. Right. So when you look at this season, it's kind of like okay, so they took like a two month break. We don't know what that's going to do to their bodies. Yes, a lot of them are staying active, but some of them couldn't. Um, some people couldn't get in their workouts and stuff like that. And like, you, it's not the same level of care that you're getting, right? And when you're playing right. at a high level, you don't know uh, how the, how that can change. Right. Um, so they're not as prepared as they should have been. They had all this time off. They had so much go on during this time off that like mm-hmm. it'll probably be affecting your mental in terms of where your headspace is at, right. um, let alone going straight into their career, right? And they have to right. go headstrong and win a championship. Um, and, and so I feel like there's all of those things that are going to play into that. And I don't know who said it first uh, from one of the NBA analysts. I think it was Shaq, but... I do truly think there will be an asterisk on whatever happens this season because there's too many things that we have to consider um, that went into this. So whoever wins, like, did you really? So that's my take. I don't think they should open up. Yeah, so those are very, very good points that you laid out. So I think the first point you mentioned is COVID. Like I said earlier, you know, it's it's a very, very big deal, especially in Florida right now. Um, and definitely it's a concern for everybody, right? Um, Adam Silver has actually been pretty good with um, the way he's tackled Corona. As you remember, NBA was actually the first major sports league to shut down because of COVID-19. So um, so Adam Silver is a pretty smart guy and I think he's, you know, handling this the right way. Um, they have protocol that they've put in place, obviously, to make sure that, you know, players, you know, don't get sick. And if they do, I'm sure they have... Um, procedures in which they're going to follow and make sure that those players don't get into contact with other players and, you know, spread the virus and stuff like that. So um, I'm sure in terms of what the NBA has put together, there should be no issues um, with regards to that, kind of like how the UFC has done it too. I know some people have been roasting the UFC protocol, but that's a a different story. Going to the second point, um, it's, 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 I understand why NBA players would say like, oh, like they're, you know, deafening their voice if they're playing, you know, in the NBA, they're not, they won't have as much time to be um, protesting and stuff like that. And I'm with that. Like, obviously, if they weren't involved in training all the time, playing games and, you know, team meetings and all that stuff, then they would be out there helping the cause, right? But my only, 
my only what's the word my only challenge with that is that you know we like not, not even to do with the economy just the people in the nba circle right like there's a lot of people involved in the nba it's very easy for the one percenters because i know like Kyrie and like Dwight Howard and maybe a few other players have come out and said they're for, you know, um, not playing this season. It's very easy for them to say, obviously, like they got millions of dollars, Westbrook, all those guys, you know, like they can totally not play and I would get it. And I'm like, oh, yeah, no problem. But then what about those players that are in the lower tier? What about those people that work for the NBA that aren't known, that aren't famous and stuff that they have a, a job that they do too, like the commentators, the, you know, people that work in the arenas. Like I know like they're not going to be playing all over the country. It's just going to be in Florida, but I'm sure there's a lot of people that are playing a part in this, you know, uh, season that's going to be taking place come the end of July. So like by canceling the whole season, I know there have been lockout seasons before in the past that have been due to disputes and money, but canceling it, I don't know, man. Like I feel like we, I'm not saying that the NBA players should not protest. They, they, they should, they should I'll be out there with the black lives matter movement and do whatever it is that they can. But I'm just concerned for the greater, the greater NBA family, if that makes sense. Right. Fair. I know all the NBA players that have money, they're going to be good. Um, and so what about those people? I know Zion Williamson, as soon as this whole um, coronavirus thing happened, he was actually paying the part-time workers or the people that, you know, had like the lower level jobs um, in the New Orleans stadium. And he was paying their salary to make sure that they were good because, you know, a lot of people are suffering, right? You see it on the news, like 30 million people in America unemployed and stuff. So by not bringing the NBA season back, it means more people are going to be unemployed as well. And I'm aware that the NBA has actually given people the option to opt out. So they're not going to shut down the NBA, but they're going to give people the option and they'll pay them. So to me, I thought like, wow, that's a very, 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 I mean, like how many companies would do that? Say like, oh, don't come to work. Don't worry. Go do what you want to do and we'll still pay you. And I'm like, really? Like that's like the best case scenario for me, right? So for those people that, you know, want to go out there and protest and do their thing, they can do it. Um, and they're still going to get paid. For those people, I'm sure this rule doesn't apply to everybody. I'm sure it's just for, you know, certain NBA players so that they don't get in trouble. Yeah. <laughs> so um, I think that that's awesome that they've done that. But a lot of um, people in the NBA, like Charles Barkley and a few other names I can't remember, um, Kyle Kuzma and a few other people have been on the side of, no, we want to, we want ball. We want the league to come back and stuff like that. So there's people on both sides of the fences and I understand both sides of the fence. I just leaning towards the NBA returning. And like the last point you mentioned, you know, there are, you know, championship seasons, like in the lockout state, or like you said, when Golden State won, when LeBron was playing with an injured team and stuff, like, it's like, really, is it a real championship? But at the end of the day, like, I'm 90% sure almost all the stars that were part of the the league before Corona are going to be there, right? So it's going to be a pretty competitive season. And somebody like LeBron, he only has so many years left. LeBron's like, what, 36 this December? So like he's only, yeah. yeah, like he was born in 84, I think. So he only has so much time left to play basketball. And I'm sure all of this time off, I'm sure he's been training and stuff like that. So he's only got, you know, maybe three years left in the league. 
I don't see him playing in his 40s, right? So he's only got so much time, and I'm sure he wants to win the championship for Los Angeles, and people may put an asterisk, asterisk on this championship saying, oh, you won it during Rona and like during whatever. But at the end of the day, a championship's a championship. It rings a ring. It goes in your resume. So I think he won a ring, too, during the NBA lockout season in, like, 2011, oh, I think. 11, yeah. Yeah. So it, those are my, my arguments towards your three points. I think um, – it's it's I understand why players are doing it, but I also understand that there's a different side to the the NBA that some players may not be seeing. And Kyrie wants to start his own league, and that's a totally <laughs> different topic. I was like, Kyrie, I was with you until you said, "Yo, let's start our own league." I'm like, what does that what does that have to do with 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 your original point? Maybe I'm not educated on this, but like I just didn't get it. I was like, what does starting a whole new league have to do with 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 not playing? Like, you know what I mean? So I, I don't know. That, 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 that's my two cents <laughs> I, I would like to say that 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 was uh disputed i think by taylor rooks she was saying yeah a lot of my sources are saying Kyrie didn't actually say that but <laughs> to be fair man i i, I <laughs> oh, you man. wouldn't put it past Kyrie, right <laughs> i wouldn't i wouldn't like this is the same guy who was talking about flat earth so I was yeah like uh Kyrie, come on man yeah um, but okay, that's fair. I, I definitely understand your points. Um, and you did, yeah, you were, you were right about LeBron. Um, I just checked his age. He's 35 to turning 36. Um, and so it, it's, 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 it sucks, right? Like he had a beautiful season. He had right. such a good season. Yeah. Um, and he did so much for the Lakers this year. And I'm just saying this as a, as a fan, um, yeah. but I was just like, man, it's going to suck. It, it, it your one of your last chances at a title who knows right yeah so yeah i don't know we'll, we'll see what happens i think um obviously we have a couple more weeks and toronto's actually already flown out i think to, to florida right um, so we'll see what happens um if they change their mind based on any other factors that are going on right now um we'll just have to see but even um dana white from the ufc mentioned he's preparing for a second wave so i'm sure uh, or a second shutdown from coronavirus. So I'm sure the <clears throat> NBA is considering that as well. Um, so we'll we'll see in the next couple of weeks of uh, what's going to happen. Yeah, I mean, well, that would be <laughs> that would be something else if we had to go through a second shutdown. I'm like, man, the the world would 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 have a reaction to that. That's all I'm going to say. <laughs> right? Yeah. Um, but yeah, safety first, guys. Safety first. Now the next hot take that we got is. Chris D'Elia. I don't know if you guys know who Chris D'Elia is, but Chris D'Elia, he's an American comedian. Um, he's, you know, very, very popular for his interesting style of comedy. Like, he does tend to have a more childish style of humor. Right. And childish is something that we're going to be diving into as well. <laughs> childish material. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, he's, he's a kind of a goofy comedian. He's friends with, like, Brian Callen and uh, Ben and Schaub from the Fighter and the Kid podcast. Um, and recently, he's been in the news in the last day or two for his involvement with underaged girls um they there've been like some pictures uh, that leaked on twitter of some emails that he was sharing um with or maybe i don't even know if sex messages but i know emails for sure of telling you know young girls to you know send him pictures and you know some other inappropriate stuff that was being said i think he said like told one girl like oh we should make out and stuff and you know these girls were were underage so Chris D'Elia, he's, I think he's 39 or almost 40, and he just recently had a kid. Um, it's tough because 
I'm not I'm not gonna defend, you know, people that try and have sexual favors from underage people. I'm usually somebody that tries to understand where one person is coming from before I judge. I'm not the biggest fan of cancel culture, to be honest. Um, I do understand that there's some terrible people out there that do need to be canceled. Don't get me wrong. I'm not saying that everybody shouldn't be canceled. Um, But I just know the type of toxic environment we are in online. Um, You'd be surprised. Just read the comments that you see, like, on certain posts or forums and stuff like that. So... I would like to, I'd like to hear more from this, from Chris's side, um, and maybe from the the people that he's been involved with as well. He did release a statement saying that all of his relationships have been legal and consensual. So he says he hasn't done anything wrong. He is a comedian, so maybe he just took his comedy the wrong way. I'm not sure. I'm not trying to defend him, guys, but clearly, if he's trying, if he was trying to hook up with underage girls, then that's that's not that's not right. Yeah, hundred percent. I'm with you on that. I think um, I think it's disgusting if 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 it is true. Um, and hey, listen, if 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 they if they find out that this is true and they they can prove that, then throw the book at him. I don't care. Like that, I think that's disgusting and it mm-hmm. should not be tolerated at at, at 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 any level, right? Right. Um, and like you said, I don't think there's any reason to defend him in this situation. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I think it's always important to ask questions. Right. Right. Um, and and to that point, I think it the situation is so weird. Like I don't, I'm not too familiar. I'm not a huge follower of Castrelia. I kind of just kind of caught up to um, caught up to. I, I've known him through a couple podcasts, like you mentioned. I think he went on Joe Rogan a couple times. Yeah. Um, and so I've caught a few of those. Um, I haven't really watched his stand up, um, but I, I do know of him. So I just saw this, and I was kind of like, I was catching up with the story, and it's. This girl who had offered to send like there's there's another th- like there's one thread of this girl like sending him pictures of a panda, right? Just to like just just like psych him to be like oh mm. yeah like it's psych like I'm 16 or whatever. But like she didn't right. tell him that, right? right. I, I don't know in the conversation that's been posted, she didn't tell him that. Right, right. So I'm also wary of the fact that like a lot of these celebrities, once you hit a certain status, people are all just like there to get you, right? They'll 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 just wait like they'll throw themselves at you just so they can catch you in that position, right? It's like they knowingly will talk to you um, and stuff like that. So, and I'm not saying that these underage girls, if it is proven that they reached out to him, who knows mm-hmm. what happened? I don't know. Mm-hmm. But there are definitely instances where people try and catch you in those traps. And it's kind of just like, how do you, like, why are you doing that, right? Like, like this might be not maybe Chris Delia, but, a lot of celebrities in a lot of cases, there might be people that they just don't know, right? Like they, yeah. they, they just, they're assuming that you're interested in them and then like they, they get involved and then they find out that like you're underage and it's like, oh shit, like you, you, you knew this whole time. Even if I didn't ask you knew, why didn't you say something, right? Yeah. Um, and so I think like, dude, these celebrities, I think you just got to ask. Like, I don't know why you're not, <laughs> you guys should walk around with a piece of paper that says, this is the document that you need to sign <laughs> that says you're above 18 yeah. before anything else happens. Like, I need yeah. this proof. Like, do that, man. Like, you're a celebrity. Yeah. You know what I mean? 100%. Like, a lot of these celebrities, they have to walk on eggshells. I think that's what the saying is, right? So, right. it's it's tough. That's why I'm kind of like, I want, like, when I hear these stories, I always try and lean to the innocent until pre- proven guilty situation. Sure. Because, 
like TMZ, like, oh my God, these guys, like the paparazzi and stuff, they're just following celebrities, just looking for a story and just, you know, trying to get something because then they get clicks, they get money and ad revenue, all that stuff, right? So uh, when I know that those people out there exist and some of the people online, then I'm always like a little bit like, okay, like, I don't know, like, you know, I reserve judgment till like more facts come out. So, um, yeah, if he did deliberately do that um, knowingly, then yes, he should be, he should, he should face the consequences for doing something like that. But um, yeah, it's tough, man. Um, it's also a good thing. Okay, let's just say he is guilty. It's a good thing that like these people are being put out there just because you have money and you have fame and you have power does not mean that you can do whatever it is that you want, right? Right. Um, the same thing happened to Louis C.K., right? He was... He was, you know, masturbating in front of women um, unwillingly, like they didn't want that. So, right. um, and he was just doing that. So he got exposed for that. And that was obviously, that obviously wasn't right. <clears throat> and, you know, there's a lot of people out there like Harvey Weinstein, like a lot of people that have taken advantage of their roles in, in prominent positions to, you know, people that want, want something from them and they ask for sexual favors and stuff like that. So all that stuff is completely wrong, guys. Um, I'm just in the position right now that I want to hear more about what he has to say um, and, you know, hear both sides of the argument. And then I can maybe revisit this topic and then cast judgment. So until then, that's that's my piece on that. <laughs> for sure, for sure. And, yeah. and, and you touched on Louis C.K. and Harvey Weinstein there. I think just to wrap that up, I think the scariest part of all this is all these people that are getting outed, these are only the ones that we know of, right? It's like, these are only 100%. the ones that people were able to grab proof or documentation or something and able to expose. Yeah. There's a whole bunch that we have no idea about. And that's a truly scary thought. hundred percent. It's just the tip of the iceberg, right? So I think it's, 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 um, I think it's awesome that like these people are getting exposed, right? Uh, what's the name of that movement? Me Too, the Me Too movement, right? right? So um, stuff like that has definitely helped to bring a lot of these issues to the, for- the forefront. Um, and even Bill Cosby, that's not a guy I forgot about too, right? So yeah. he's been, it's been a while since he's been in the headlines. But yeah, someone, someone like him too. Um, so hopefully... Um, I'm actually a Chris D'Elia fan. I do consume a lot of his his uh, podcast material. I've watched all of his specials on Netflix, and I do find him corny, but I find him funny. Um, I hope that what I what's in the news isn't true. Um, but if it is true, then he has to face the consequences. <clears throat> for sure, brother. Yeah, man. So this was our hot takes for the week. Uh, we're going to be uh, rotating through this and. Um, kind of taking ideas of what's in the news and current events to kind of just give our take. So if there's anything that the fans want us to talk about, for sure, give us, let us know in the comments um, or shoot us a message on Instagram or anything. And uh, we'll cover those. We'll cover those as well. But I, I really like this. Thank you guys for listening. Yes, this is our first hot tapes, hot tapes, <laughs> hot takes section of the podcast. We're going to be producing a lot more of these as we go week by week. And uh, we'll be sure to post some of these on Instagram and you can find all of them on YouTube. So thank you for listening to this podcast episode. This is episode 20. And we'll see you guys on the next one. Thank you. Take care, guys. See ya.